It's the Pistons Pod, presented by Uptime Energy Drink. Now here's your host, Matt Derry. And it is another edition, everybody, of the Pistons Pod. Thank you for joining us today right here at Pistons.com and wherever you get your podcasts, off-season, in-full-swing playoffs going on. And we are brought to you by our friends at Uptime Energy Drink. Let's talk some Pistons basketball today with a, a new a new interviewee here on the pod, somebody we are connecting with for the first time. Excited to talk to Lauren Williams, who covers the team for MLive.com, and she gives us a couple of minutes today. What's up, Lauren? What's up? Thank you so much for having me. Good to talk to you. Uh, two and a half years on the beat, but it's been wild because of the COVID years and, and having to be away and covering the team via Zoom. So I'm sure it has not been easy for you, right? No. I mean, this was this past season was the first time we got to meet a lot of the guys that Troy Weaver brought in last year. So, you know, we're all kind of getting to know each other and getting back up to speed after a kind of a whirlwind of an off season in the last couple of years. What's been, uh, you know, what's jumped out at you over these last couple of years and, and certainly with a new regime here and two years now of the restoration, the restore under Troy Weaver, but what stands out for you right now? I mean, I think the thing that stands out is the fact that it seems like the plan of action for restoring this team is kind of, you know, been laid out for a, a lot of years moving forward it's not just kind of a we're gonna make the playoffs make the finals win the championship and then we're out of here it's you know he's trying to create something and when i say he that's troy weaver he's trying to create something that's gonna be a long lasting i guess dynasty that you would want to call it and it's really fun to kind of see the building box that he's putting in place to make this a perennial champion when it starts with Troy and certainly Dwayne Casey, how have they been in terms of, uh, for you, transparency? And um, to, to me, it would seem like a good group to cover, and it does seem like that. But uh, for you, as somebody that's uh, kind of newer, has been new on the beat, what's it been like to uh, talk to them uh, as much as you can? For sure. I think uh, head coach Dwayne Casey is one of the warmest people that I've ever met. I mean, when I first started on the beat, um, as you mentioned, two and a half years ago, he he actually reached out to me as, you know, kind of a welcome to the team, welcome to the beat. It's good to have you here. And, you know, the fact that a head coach of a professional team is welcoming you to covering this team, you know, it just makes you feel so much more at home and comfortable. And when it goes down to the rest of the guys on the team, they're all very personable, all very, again, warm people who, you know, take the time to give nice, and when I say nice answers, I mean, you know, truthful answers that, that make you feel confident that they're trying to make this a perennial dynasty. Um, so I feel like there is quite a bit of transparency. Um, you know, sometimes they say what they mean and you don't really have to parse words or read between the lines or anything like that. So it's been it's been a really good experience being able to be a part of this beat and kind of see, again, like I said, the building blocks that are being put into place. The news of the week, certainly. Cade Cunningham finishing third in the Rookie of the Year voting. Scotty Barnes, the Raptors, wins the entire thing. And followed by Evan Mobley. Uh, there could be arguments made, Lauren, on a lot of sides. I think the biggest thing that stood out for me, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is there were folks that didn't even have Cade on their ballot, which to me is inexcusable. Inexcusable. I agree. I 100% agree. I think when you objectively look at 
at each of these guys' individual performances, the things that were asked of Kate Cunningham weren't asked of the other two guys who who were at the top of the rookie of the year voting in Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. And that's not to take away from the things that they contributed to their teams because, I mean, they helped to get their teams to the postseason. But I don't think it's very fair to kind of dock someone from the fact of, you know, what he's kind of navigating and what he's helping to build. I mean, Cade was the floor general. He had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. And in my opinion, I think that should have been weighted more than whether or not a team made a postseason berth, especially for where they are in their rebuilds. I mean, you look at Toronto, their, their rebuild didn't even take that long. You know, they won the championship in 2019 and here they they are back in the postseason again. And then you look at Cleveland, I mean, they were much further along in their rebuild, and Evan Mobley was kind of that final piece that they needed to push them over the edge. I mean, they had two All-Stars this season. When you look at Toronto, they have two All-Stars who've gone to um, gone to the, the weekend over the last couple of years, whereas Cade, he didn't have that. So I think if you look at all of the numbers, look at all of the things that these players had to do, Cade had the most responsibility, and that should have been what I think a lot of people should have taken into account. Lauren Williams with us, covers the Pistons for MLive.com. has been on the beat uh, now a couple of seasons. Joining us here on the Pistons pod, right here at Pistons.com, brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. All right, when did you know that Cade, I'm not going to say when did you know that he was special, but he started off slow, and, and certainly the injury and not having the training camp and the, and the preseason, but was there a time maybe in a November or December where you went, all right, this is the guy that is 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 the franchise guy. Was there a time that you kind of circled on your calendar? Uh, I think when I look back at it, you kind of see that almost every game, you know, in November, he was breaking some kind of record. And it's hard to not think that he's special. I mean, the fact that he's, he's up there as one of the only rookies to have 25, 8, and 8 with Michael Jordan, I think that kind of tells you that this guy is going to be as people like to say colloquially on uh, NBA Twitter, he's going to be a problem. Um, so it's just been exciting to kind of watch him each month just get better and better and better. And so I think it kind of came a lot sooner than a lot of people expected, especially after, as you mentioned, he had that slow start. He handles the ball so much, yet he's mm-hmm. playing alongside Killian Hayes, and certainly the draft is coming up, and and, 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 and you know, we'll get more of a sense of kind of where the Pistons are going as the summer goes on. But, mm-hmm. you know, where do you feel he's at his best, uh, especially when he's on the floor? Absolutely. I think just as you said, I think he's better when he has the ball in his hands because now he has the option to either create for himself or create for anyone else. And we've seen him be that kind of unselfish player who, you know, is ready to create an opportunity for his teammates. Now, I think the next step for the Pistons is getting somebody and they kind of of took the right step forward when they got Marvin Bagley, but getting another playmaker on the floor who can get the ball from him and just kind of make things happen. Um, I think we have some building blocks, again, I keep using that phrase, in place with Sadiq Bey, but I think his next step forward is kind of 
kind of being that consistent person who can knock shots down. And we saw a little bit of that in his first year. He kind of had a little bit of a sophomore slump, but I think he's on the right trajectory of being kind of a weapon that can help Kate out on the floor. Um, again, as you mentioned, we'll see what the Pistons do as the summer goes along. But, I mean, Jeremy Grant kind of started to show that he can be a cohesive piece to work with Gade as well as Sadiq. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they decide to go with another younger uh, player who fits more with the timeline, if you will, uh, whether that's Shaden Sharp or any of the guys who are in the top three that are, you know, kind of seen as the consensus top three in Jabari uh, Smith, Chet Holmgren, and, and Paolo Bancaro. Talking to Lauren Williams from uh, MLive.com. Does a great job covering the Pistons. You know, nobody mentioned the words rookie wall with Cade. It seemed like he got better as the season wore on. And I know it. maybe it's because he had to sit at the beginning of the year. And he kind of, kind of, but, but what do you think the secret to the sauce is there in terms of uh, how, how he took care of himself this year? I think it's just the fact is that always comes up. He's a very poised player. Nothing seems to really rattle him. He can start 0-5, and, and then by the end of the game, he still has 20 points. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what that Ricky Wall was, if, if we're going to be honest, is that he wasn't the most efficient player um, just because he had a lot of figuring out to do and he mentioned it himself in the end of season interviews that we had is there was a lot of learning that he had to do when it came to the NBA and that it's a lot harder to win in the NBA than at the previous levels that he played at so um I think if we're thinking about just what his rookie wall was it's just kind of figuring things out on the fly but he showed that he has the capability to figure those things out very quickly you mentioned earlier Sadiq Bay, Lauren um you know I Look, it's tough to give most improved player to a guy that's just in his second year, and there's so many guys that made so many different leaps and bounds this year, including certainly the guys in Memphis, John Moran, who then ended up taking the award and giving it to his teammate Desmond Bain and leaving it in his kitchen. But uh, <laughs> tell me about Sadiq and, and, and how why you think he took that giant step forward this year. Honestly, I think it's because he kind of added another facet to his game. Instead of being kind of a 3 and D guy that a lot of people projected him to be, he kind of, you know, wanted to get to the actual hoop a lot more than than uh, than uh, taking shots from outside. I think we saw that just fairly evenly split with two-point attempts and three-point attempts. Um, I believe he was shooting uh, 51% of his shots from outside, and then it was like 43.7 from inside the arc. So I think the fact that he's trying to be a versatile guy, um, that's a really, really good option for the Pistons just because they need scoring. And, you know, the way people can get to the basket, as many opportunities as they can or as many different ways that they can is something that Troy Weaver has placed a premium on, and he even said that in his own uh, end of season availability with us. He's like, I don't care how people score, whether that's a three, whether that's two, whether that's a free throw, we just need more scoring. So I think if, you know, as Sadiq was saying in his exit interview, he wants to kind of have a more complete game. If he can continue to kind of just sharpen those skills and be even more efficient than he, you know, got toward the end of the season, then. He's gonna he's gonna be a really scary player to watch. Your cohort uh, James Edwards at the Athletic wrote about how uh, you could make the argument Sadiq Bay already is the greatest three point shooter in Pistons history. Are you ready to go out, Lauren, on a limb like the, like James did, or is James crazy? I'm I'm not quite. 
quite there yet. I mean, he's in really good company with, you know, Alan Houston and Joe Dumars and even Ponzi Phillips. So I'm not quite ready to make that declaration (laughs) yet. I think I'd like to see him get a couple more years under his belt in the NBA before I give him that title. Have you been around a guy like him, though, that, that, I mean, he does not take a game off. He started every game. Uh, I know the Pistons made a comment kind of in jest, like, hey, we're we're, going to, like, lock him out of the gym. For a, for a week or two in the summer, just so he can rest, but that's really not in his DNA. It's it's kind of kind of refreshing. No. It, he is a basketball junkie, and I just kind of heard around the organization that one of the reasons he's been able to kind of have that longevity and kind of be Mister Dependable for them is because he takes such good care of his body. I think the next step for him taking care of his body is taking the rest when it needs it, as opposed to pushing himself to the limit because. And that might have been a factor in why he kind of had that slump at the beginning of the season because he didn't really take much time off between the end of last year and the beginning of this year because he had his Team USA obligations. So I think it'll be interesting to see if maybe a good amount of rest will make a difference in him kind of getting out of the gate really quickly next year and, and really giving the Pistons that scoring that they're looking for. I like that you mentioned Marvin Bagley earlier, change of scenery for him coming over from uh, Sacramento, and he seemed to fit well here, certainly a restricted free agent. But what are your, what are your thoughts on, on him coming back and also just the fit and why he, he had success here? I think he injected a lot of energy into this group. I mean, I, I think when you know we saw him in his debut, you could kind of see the beginnings of the threat that he and Cade could be. Um, and the fact that he already enjoys playing here, he said he had fun here. Um, he's playing with a lot of guys that are around his age. I think the sky is the limit for him. I, and, and I really do think that he gives the Pistons a lot of options, especially as a lob threat who can really kind of sneak in and cut to the basket there. And, you know, we already have that. They already have that with uh, Hamadou Diallo as well. So if they can, you know, utilize those two as elite cutters, as Dwayne Casey might like to say, I think, you know, it gives the Pistons another option. Killian Hayes, uh, you mentioned before about uh, how how Twitter can be a a crazy place. Um, Certainly Pistons fans, uh, some uh, have their moments with Killian. Boy, toward Mm -hmm. the end of the year, he really got comfortable with some of the injuries and guys out. and. Um, how difficult is it, I guess, when you're covering a team to remember in this social media society that he's he's 20, 21 years old? Right. I mean, yeah, he he can't even legally take a sip of alcohol in the United States. And I think it is easy to forget when you see professional athletes that some of them are – are supposed to still be in college or they're just kind of reaching adulthood. So it, it was something to see. And, you know, you kind of have to remind fans, just give him a little bit of grace, especially because he's coming from a totally different system in uh, from in Europe. So he needed that adjustment period, especially because he didn't get a full season his rookie year. And I think now that he has kind of had that full season under his belt, you know, he's really going to take a good step forward, especially as Dwayne said, he's kind of getting that American confidence now. Um, and so I think this team is in a really good position. I mean, even if Killian isn't necessarily on the Pistons, when they do make that championship run, he still laid a, a lot of foundation for them. And, you know, it would be interesting to see him take that step with Cade next year so that they can can be the elite backcourt that I think the Pistons envision them to be. What do they need? Uh, certainly the draft, and and you mentioned some of the, 
the guys that everybody's talking about already, and we we, we got to get to the lottery first to even determine which pick the Pistons will have. But as you look at this roster, what what, what do you think? How do you think they should fill it up? Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. If I'm I'm sitting in a <laughs> Troy Weaver's seat, yes. Um, you know, I would love to see them get another guy who can knock shots down from outside. I think one of the things that again contributed to Sadiq possibly having that slump was he was showing up on a lot of scouting reports. And if you can give the give uh, you know that kind of what's the word I'm looking for uh, relief or you know stretch the stretch things out a lot more, it'll get Sadiq being a lot more consistent or you have that rookie being a lot more consistent. So either way, if it's in the front court or in the back court, I just want to see them get another person who can be a consistent three-point shooter. I think that's one of the things that hurt them a lot at the beginning of the season is not seeing those shots go in. Um, And I would love to see them actually get someone else to kind of fill out the rim protecting duties. I think Isaiah Stewart did an amazing job, but we definitely need to see them get a good backup center who can, can provide them that when Isaiah Stewart sits. When you watch the playoffs, um, you know, and, and you see some of these teams now, you know, what, what's the next step, I guess, for the Pistons to get up there? And certainly, like you said, it, it's it's a restore. And now the East is as good as it's been in years. But how do you kind of compare Detroit when you're watching some of these other teams that are playing now? And then certainly they have veteran players. The Pistons are one of the youngest teams in the league. Oof. Um, you know, I think when you look at a team like Golden State and the fact that they have three options that kind of just jump out to you immediately in Clay and Steph and and now in Jordan Poole, you just see that they're all threats. And I think right now the Pistons kind of have a couple of them in Sadiq and Cade. Um, and I mean they're consistent threats, guys that teams double team and try to shut down as soon as they can um same with jeremy so i think that's kind of what they need right now is just having those options that teams are constantly thinking okay well who do i double who do i try to trap who do i try to do this with and i i I don't think they had that this past year um we saw them double team either Cade, as i mentioned or sadiq a lot um when jeremy played we saw them try to shut him down once he tried driving to the basket a couple times to force him to kick out just because you know the pistons were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league um so i think i think that's kind of where i'd like to see them get a lot better is just having that consistent uh third option who can knock those shots down all right, we're recording this on Thursday, but who, who do you got in the East, uh, coming out of the East and coming out of the West as we're just about a week into the playoffs, week and a half? Yeah. So at first I thought it would be Philly, and I thought Golden State would be the Western Conference uh, finalist. This time around, I think it's going to be Boston, but I'm still going to put my money on Golden State being the winner of the West. Philly and Golden State wouldn't be bad. Uh, it would definitely be entertaining to see Joel yeah. Embiid in the uh, in the finals. But uh, Lauren, Lauren, a lot of fun catching up with you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Matt. Lauren Williams, MLive.com, a follower on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. And uh, there's a lot of Lauren Williams on Twitter, so you can find her there. Covers the team for MLive.com. We are brought to you by Uptime Energy Drink. Matt Derry with you right here on the Pistons Pod, Pistons.com. We'll talk to you again next week.